I mean, I, I really felt like I belong. I really felt that my two feet were exactly where they needed to be in terms of what I planned to do. And a lot of it was, it was a dream come true. This is Bud Talks 353. Good morning, good evening, good night. I am speaking about when I first took off to Puerto Rico from Portland, Oregon this past January for Travel Bud. Travel Bud, everyone who is listening or have listened, is the adventures of me. I traveled from Portland to Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico to Egypt, Egypt to Santorini, Santorini to Istanbul, Istanbul. Well, let me stop because right now I'm just talking about Puerto Rico. Because Port, like I was mentioning earlier in the opening, I was really at a place of belonging. Around COVID, I kind of envisioned myself doing this. Out of fear, I didn't because obviously I bought a house and was kind of going down the road of you know being this freelance writer, author who would just travel back and forth out of Portland and that was kind of the dream. That that was the idea, but as time went on and kind of got cooped up in my house and got really comfortable, it took me a while to make the decision. And and of course, these things have to unfold in terms of what are the other options. In my last episode, or two episodes ago rather, I was speaking about from the place that I decided to finally do travel but an adventure out of Portland for five months. There was a place I would go to buy my old house. It's actually Johnson Creek in Southeast Portland. And I would kind of go there to think a little bit better out of my cocoon, rather, which is my house. But for the most part, it was dreaming of what more could be, what more could be of my creativity, my words, my visions. And one thing I kind of feared was, you know, would I regret getting rid of my house? And no, I didn't. And like I was saying, I remember maybe a weekend to being in Puerto Rico. It kind of hit me where I'm actually where I once dreamed to be. Although Puerto Rico wasn't a place I dreamed to be. It was actually St. Martin. And I was only in Puerto Rico because St. Martin wouldn't let me get on a plane. But... Nonetheless, Puerto Rico was the first island I had touched down in and was like a vacation. And every day I had to remind myself, you know, this isn't really, this is reality. You know, this is a dream now embodied. You know, you've taken the dog to a safe place. We're at peace with that. We've sold the house. We're at peace with that. We won't be seeing family and friends. If something tragic happens, I mean, you got to buy a ticket within a day or two notice and get back home. If something tragic happened. And, and I was okay with that. That's fine. That was a part of the whole process. And in reality, I'm thinking like there were maybe one moment or two, not too much, but thinking like it's January 2nd and I won't be seeing home my family until <laughs> May or June. It'll be five months. We'll be well into 2022, given it's only a day into 2022. And I won't be seeing you all for five, six months. And some people do a lot longer. Some people go years without seeing their family. But for me, who see their family once, twice a week, 
or whatever. During COVID, it was a little bit less, obviously. But through the past, through my lifetime, I've seen my family quite a bit. But every day, I, I felt like I belonged in Puerto Rico. I mean, I felt like I belonged in a place where it would be a very, very long time before I touched down at home. And another thing I had to remind myself is there is no home to return to because I had sold my home. I mean, essentially, I'd be, I would be looking back to going back to my mom's place, which eventually I'll get around to to kind of unfolding that whole story because by the time I get to the last place I visited on Travel Buds Adventure is where I'm speaking this podcast from. But for now, we're just speaking about the beginning of Travel Bud. There were moments where I did feel a little bit overwhelmed in the fact that, I mean, even when I was on in a different country, I was kind of telling myself, damn, I'm, I'm here for a while. Like, there's no going home, period. And there's no go home for a while. There's no, I mean, you could call somebody and feel at home a little bit, but it's not the same. I mean, we're in a whole nother side of the earth. We're on weather's nice. My mindset was fulfilling. It was satisfying. So my mindset was, this is who I am. I'm going to do, do this for a while. How am I going to sustain it was very stressful and it still is. I mean, you either follow in God's plan, which is faith and continue the vision and the feeling, the emotion behind it. Or you stress us out, stress yourself out over it with anxiety, questioning how it's going to continue. That is how we're going to continue to reach different parts of the earth that we dream of, that we write about, that we as in me, myself and God's plan. That is. It was quite interesting, though, that early on I would meet people in especially Puerto Rico being a the party place of the party place of my adventure and everyone would say oh I only aspire to do stuff like that they would ever they would never you know leave their job or house or family to actually do that for months maybe they'll go on a couple week vacation but I mean you talk about 5 to 6 months never cuz people have obligations so it's like that admiration that you feel from people really is kind of a reminder and confirmation that, you know, you are exactly where your two feet need to be. And that's that was good. But then there's also this kind of caveat to the other side of that admiration and that you start to worry about what if I don't sustain it? And then they look down at you. And then if you have a mind like mine, you kind of go all over the place and you, you really don't know where you end up. But it's all in faith. I mean, we're all trying our best. Also, I had to accept some things about the adventures in that leaving Puerto Rico was quite the adventure. I had flew to JFK, then had to stay uh, the night at JFK. I had an eight-hour layover before flying to Heathrow. So that was one thing. And it's not comfortable and I thought about getting a hotel, but it's eight hours in JFK. I've done it before. 
I've had worse situations, by the way. But this was by far the worst, considering what I'm about to kind of tell. I may have spoken this on a different earlier podcast of season three. But nonetheless, after the eight hours in JFK, I flew to Heathrow. And that was about, I don't know, maybe four hour in Heathrow. And that night I was going to Egypt. Egypt Air, you know, they have different guidelines and requirements considering COVID for Americans. And just, I I think in general, different part of the country, different citizens of different countries have different requirements per Egypt Air and also different countries in general with governments or whatnot. Every, Every country has a different requirement for COVID, basically. And... As I was boarding Egypt Air, you know, I swear I read up and down all the requirements for Egypt Air and for Egypt, the country. I'm at the boarding gate and I show them my passport, show them my boarding pass, and then my vaccination card. The lady down there throws away my vaccination card and says, we don't accept this. You can't get on the plane. Devastated. So I call my doctor. Because what they're looking for is a vaccination certification, which has a barcode. Well, Americans, America, United States doesn't do vaccination certificates specifically, which is what I think most European Union countries do and maybe other countries on the other side. But America doesn't do the barcode vaccination. So... The other option was to obviously get a COVID test. But since I had this vaccination card, which is completely different from a vaccination certificate, I could not get on the plane. So I'm devastated. I can't go to Egypt. So obviously I stay another night at an airport. Just walking around. But in that moment, I was okay with it because it's something I signed up for. Something told me, you know, with this journey you're going to experience this moment your only job here is to and i'm speaking to myself you are to keep your poise and your pace so i'm at heathrow through the night i'm getting snacks um don't quite sleep well in these little plastic chairs metal armrests or what have you and I'm a little, uh, part of me is irritated just at the lady at the gate. Her attitude was, because like I said, she down there took my card and almost threw it away. And told me just get along because you're not good on this flight. So of course, Egypt is one of the places that I'm like, come on. This is like the best location of my entire journey. Just came from Puerto Rico, been partying the last 10 days, minus maybe two, because we did rest. But nonetheless... I'd already slept in one airport the prior night, so I don't have that much sleep, although the flight from JFK to Heathrow was a good flight. I got some rest on that eight or nine hour flight. I think it was maybe less than that, but I got a good sleep on that flight, so it wasn't as bad, but considering I'd slept in an airport and then a plane and then can't get on the flight to Egypt, I got to sleep another night in the airport. So basically I'm waiting all through the night like dozing off every five minutes, but not really falling asleep. So it's maybe like a hour worth of sleep over this 26 hour layover. 
in the Heathrow Airport. The next day after, I'm, I'm by the COVID testing center, so I don't have COVID, so I, I get tested so I can get on a plane and I have to wait the next night for the same flight. So over two nights, I get about maybe five, six hours of sleep. And I was quite proud of myself for not really going too crazy. And a lot of happened, like through the day, I was supposed to get on another flight to Egypt. I was bumped from one and a, a lot of stuff had happened. But the bottom line is, this is the dream I was living and this is what I signed up for. And through the airport, I had my two luggages and backpack and I had my pace. I had my poise. And this is, this was my home, but two airports and two nights was my home. To speed up the story, I got to Egypt. I mean, eventually I got on a plane because I had tested negative, negative for COVID. And, you know, I'm on the Egypt Air flight and, you know, we touched down in Egypt. Uh, my boy Dean was already there. He had met me there. He was also in Puerto Rico with me. Um, so we, I get a taxi to my hotel in Giza. The airport's in Cairo. Giza and Cairo are separated by the Nile River. So we travel, take the taxi from Cairo to Giza. And, you know, I'm tired, obviously. I'm soaking up the, the craziness of Cairo. I mean, it's like busy. It's it's like 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock in the morning. People are walking in the streets. The sun's coming up. Um, and it's already just a crazy town just, I don't even know, I can't even explain it, it's just people, cars, honking horns, markets, um, you know, when you first land, you see the military base off the airport road, and I can feel the energy, like, because being in Puerto Rico is one place, but landing in Egypt, and Cairo was... I felt like I had finally made it. Like, there's not too many words to describe because what I'd experienced next once we crossed the Nile, got into Giza, and then I remember my driver who was taking me to the hotel. He goes, There's the pyramids. I'm like, Whoa. And it was sunrise, so I couldn't quite see the pyramids. It was just like this black triangular shadow. I'm like, Fuck. <laughs> That's the pyramid, and these motherfuckers are massive. Like, I, I, I can't even. I, I was, I was no longer like I forgot everything that had happened in the past thirty-six hours, from two sleepless nights in airports, being bumped from a flight. I, I, I felt that fucking energy. And immediately, you know, I, I get dropped off at my hotel. My boy's like, yo, let's go check out the pyramids or let's go get breakfast rather because at this point it's like 7, 8 o'clock in the morning. Um, in the I have a whole story about the hotel I stayed in. It was a trashy hotel. Completely different from what I would have expected or excuse me, what I've seen on Booking.com. But nonetheless, I'd walk down to his hotel, which was a little bit nicer. And then we, we saw the pyramids and 
there was a there was an energy there was a revitalization of energy just by looking at the sphinx looking at the three pyramids and the energy in giza aside from the pyramids was very i guess i questioned it because there's a lot of street hustlers there's a lot of i mean it smells like shit like i love cairo i love giza i mean i i wanted i want to go back but it didn't like the energy was a little bit like on the cusp of like there's a lot of good energy and then there's like this very tainted hustler energy where they see a tourist and it's like pounce on them it's like all these vultures trying to get your time and money and i can appreciate that in a sense that it's all for historical context and that a lot of people who try to do that you know they know the history and they know what they're doing i i'm just the type of person that picks up on energy and you know if a certain type of me shows up in a setting i know something's not right and i felt that immediately in cairo however or excuse me giza i will say though that the energy around the pyramids were something of a phenomenon and that's what separated me from understanding these two separate or rather this cusp of energies and that you know some people do this for the better of their historical culture and others just kind of take advantage of it unfortunately we met a good tour guide who kind of showed us the difference between the two but everybody here i mean they're all trying their best it's a massive city so many people so much energy so much energy so I got to walk into the, I believe it's the first perfected pyramid of Dozier, the red pyramid. We saw the black pyramid and there's another pyramid that's rather fucked up looking. And this pyramid is almost looks incomplete, but the, the bent pyramid I think is the red pyramid, which is literally bent. It's not a straight, um, whatever you call a pyramid. It's basically bent the sides are bent because it's not I guess the angles they were building at weren't quite necessarily perfect but it was also here that I knew I'd made it considering the two nights of sleepless airport adventures and that there was a moment where I felt like I probably wasn't even going to make it to Egypt Nah, I wouldn't say I would go that far and thought that. I, th- I think it was just more so of me accepting the moment that it's going to take a little bit more patience and a little bit more trusting of yourself and that you'll f- you'll find a way. And I did. That's that's there was no question ever about that. The biggest fear I did have in Egypt was that I wouldn't get enough. I wouldn't get enough of the culture. Because one one thing we did do, I think, on the second and third day was fly down to Luxor and saw the kings, or the Valley of the Kings, which is where King Tut, King Ramsey, all their tombs are. And it was by day two, or three, rather, like I just said, that we got the real adventure. And by that point, I'd spent so much money. I was like, damn, this is going to be 
more than enough. But then at that point, I was also telling myself, you know, I don't just want to be a tourist who's on a trip. I want to experience the city. So what I did was, you know, we party. We actually did party a little bit in Cairo. And when my boy Dean left, I got an Airbnb in Zamalek, which is kind of off the, it's an island that separates. It's an island on the Nile River, separates Cairo and Giza. So on the, in this apartment, I had a nice view of the Nile and a nice view of Zamalek. And I was going to the gym, I was running. And this is the point of the trip. I was, this was about three, four weeks in. Um, and I told myself, this is it. Like, I'm, I mean, I, I thought I was where I wanted to be in Puerto Rico. I mean, I'm in Cairo riding, running, working out, eating shawarma. Like I'm crossing the street, like a local and it still stinks. But at this point it wasn't really bothering me, but Nonetheless, I was living on the highest level of this building with the best views of the sun rise, having experienced the pyramids, the Valley of the Kings, and I still have five more countries, about 10, 15 more flights, and who knows how many more people to meet. and. To say the least, there aren't really words to describe this part of the trip and that. I felt like I belonged there. Even though I didn't speak Arabic, I knew very little about the Muslim, are they Muslim? Yeah, well, the they pray five times a day, basically very strict five times a day prayer rules i knew nothing about this culture but for some reason i feel like i belonged there people were still staring at me like crazy they all thought i was from nigeria or nubian but egypt was just having first gotten the historical and the ancient history of the place i felt that by that point, there was more I wanted. And I, I can't really tell you what more it was, but having first felt that I wasn't gonna get enough and then literally two days later I had enough. And then I felt like I belonged there. It was almost this transcendence of maybe you just need to write about it. <laughs> so I did. Uh, I just said they built the shit. They built the pyramids. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, this wasn't even a month into the trip, and I wasn't really missing anything because I was living my dream. I was living everything I wanted to be. I was living, I wouldn't quite call it freedom because freedom implies that you have boundaries, but I was very grateful. And this is, this is, I guess this is a part of the point where I actually started to write. So that's what I meant, like transcendence, 
by writing through it is that I didn't quite write a lot in Puerto Rico. I started to write probably three or four weeks into the trip, which was a week into Cairo is when I started to journal a lot more and had a little bit more free time and space in mind to kind of embrace what I had experienced in the month of January. And that was Travel Bud. And I was actually looking at my journal here that I have in front of me. I was trying to look back at where I started to journal in Cairo and it all just kind of blends in from where I was here in Oregon in December to where I was in January in Egypt. And it's all just a blending of the pen. I will say uh, before I close this out that I did not miss Cairo. I do want to go back, however. I, certain places I left and this felt like, you know, there's more I wanted to get out of it, but I left fulfilled. I left satisfied. And I think it's because it was at that point where I felt like, you know, I got the historical tour stuff. And I also got to kind of live the days of a writer in Cairo. It was only for two weeks at that point, but kind of like in Puerto Rico, it was just, you know, here is the vacation before the true exploration of the writer, Travel Bud. I'll continue this. Next, when I speak about going from Cairo to Santorini. And this is all a kind of high-level recap, by the way, because if you've listened to the earlier episodes of Travel Bud, I was actually speaking about these experience while I was there. So this is kind of a month out of the journey as a recap until next time when I am mindfully back in Santorini good morning good evening good night good morning good evening good night bye bye <laughs>